0: Good evening everyone. You could turn in the Word of God to Luke in the second chapter, Luke two. Always glad that some stay in town for this time of the year. I'm glad you're here, although some I know are away seeing their families and joining with them. I'll run quickly, just after I pray, I'll run quickly through just a couple of other uh, details regarding our missionaries. I looked at that recently, the first half of that, so I'll I'll finish that uh, just before we open the Word together. But uh, let's pray, let's seek the Lord, let's ask for His help. Our Father, we gather here tonight so thankful for the historic reality of what we've been singing of When we think of the condescension of the Son of God into this world, we are not merely considering or pondering or articulating in our songs some mere myth. We are singing of that which actually occurred when God sent forth His Son made of a woman. And we bless Thee for the hope that it brought to the world. As many believing Jews anticipated that day, looked forward to that day, longed for the seed of the woman who would bruise the head of the serpent, so we look back in the joy of the accomplishment of Christ in His work. We bless Thee for the meaning and significance it brings to us as we consider our own sins. As we recognize, Lord, our lost condition, our fallenness in Adam, and our utter inability to save ourselves. Therefore we see in Christ by faith all the answer for us, the remedy for fallen men. We have believed, we have received, and we have been adopted into thy family. And we bless thee for the pardon we have. Lord, wash us and make us clean even now. We have been in the world, we have been in conversation, our eyes have beheld, Our ears have heard, even our lips at times may utter things that we should bewail, we should lament. And we pray that thou wilt pardon us of all of our sins, help us to love as thou dost love, and grant that we truly would be changed by looking into the face of Jesus, being transformed from glory into glory as by the Spirit of our God. And even here tonight, may we know the transforming Influence of Thy Word, help us, for we are here to pray, and we have loved ones perhaps that are upon our hearts, and other burdens of which we care greatly, and we pray that Thou wilt give us help to intercede, both audibly and inaudibly in this place together, that it might be tonight that we are marked by being of one accord. We think of those of more that mourn. We think even now of the. The service that is being conducted for the passing of Dr. Clarence Sexton. We pray for the family that mourn and for the massive challenge facing the church and the school and all the ministries of that witness that you will lead and guide with such a huge figurehead now out of the picture and in the presence of Jesus. Bless even that service to the salvation of souls. We pray that you will lead them and bless them at this time. So come to us, help us as we pray for others. Come to us, Lord, and give us the health, the strength, the grace we need to live for thee, that we might glorify thee in our bodies and by our spirits, which are God's. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just uh, before we open the scriptures, uh, we looked at, A number of the works, and again, just to encourage those who are not familiar with our prayer bulletin, it does keep us up to date on various works that are represented by uh, our churches, our fellow co-laborers. Some are under the North American Presbytery, some are under the uh, Ulster Presbytery, and some under the Nepalese Presbytery as well, the various denominations of the Free Presbyterian Church. And so uh, I don't want to uh, go over all the details. I want to be uh, quick and get to the word. Uh, but uh, do remember Liberia, the ongoing uh, material needs there of the building, as well as the school and education that's going on there as they try to get that going. U- Uganda, the ongoing work there. I do hope probably mm, probably in the beginning of January at some point, the Wednesday night, I'll, we'll take the time to show a video by the new missionaries that are going out to Uganda, the Macaulays that will be heading out there next year. So I hope to be able to show the video just so you can get a uh, an image of them and the work that they hope to accomplish. Uh, the work in Kenya, keep that in your prayers as well. The work in Nepal, uh, just uh, in reading this, uh, you may have noted there was uh, an earthquake there that killed 150 people and 375 were injured but some among the, the churches there were killed in that earthquake. So there's requests here of praying for the families that remain. Some of their homes were destroyed and they're in the heart of winter. So uh, let's remember the Nepalese believers tonight and the many tremendous mon- or hardships that they have. The lack of material things that many of them uh, really just don't know anything of the comforts that we know. So let's be praying for the Nepalese churches. And then South Korea, I also hope to show at some point a PowerPoint from uh, Dr. Larry Saunders. He was recently in South Korea and saw the work there. And there is hope for that church to officially uh, come under our denomination, be part of our denomination. So uh, again, maybe in January, we'll, we'll look at that and get a better picture of what's going on. There, So that we can pray more specifically, but just just pray for these works in Asia, Australia, and Africa, that the Lord's hand would be upon them. I'll make mention also, our brother John Kelly, some prayer requests as well, and I'll bring that before you just before we pray. But look to, look to is where we are, and uh, sometimes the prayer meetings around this time of the year, you're sort of wondering what to bring, but I was reading over... Luke 2, wondering if there was something here that the Lord would have a say and uh, remark upon, and I I believe that that is the case. So, we will read from the 8th verse, Luke 2, verse 8, reading through verse 20. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. The other day, Monday, I was challenged, not by anyone in this congregation, regarding spiritual experience, spiritual experience. And in the course of the conversation, uh, this uh, individual was trying to impress upon me that in some way I was missing out on some particular spiritual experience. Of course, they, they made this assumption without ever asking me about any of my own experiences with the Lord, but just came to a conclusion based on maybe the kind of church that we are and what we believe and so on. But as I prodded particularly about what what exactly are you getting at here, what distinction are you making, really it came down to their belief in what we talk about, tongue speaking or heavenly language or uh, however they might describe it. So when someone talks to you in that way, how do you respond? What do you do? What do you say? I hope you know what to say Uh, by beginning first, show me in Scripture, show me in Scripture this heavenly language that you say that we are to have. And it was quite something to see them, uh, quite an ugly experience really, the the ugliness of what we might term eisegesis. This is where you're trying to read into Scripture, uh, that which is not there. For example, the first text that was thrown at me was found in Ephesians 6, praying in the Spirit. And I'm thinking to myself, praying in the Spirit, that's the argument there. Uh, To which I responded, have you never been in the presence of someone praying? And they're praying in English, they're praying in your known language and speech, and they seem to be carried along in an unusual way. They really, it's evident even for people around to detect that God, in some way, is really carrying this person along. And you feel like everyone is being moved along with them in prayer. Have you ever had that? Yes. Are they not praying in the Spirit? Is this not the same thing Jude speaks of? Praying in the Holy Ghost? So, that was strange text to be thrown at me. And of course, then they went to 1 Corinthians 14 and threw a text out from there. And I said, okay, let's read the whole chapter. And upon reading the whole chapter, it, it just, the, the whole thing falls apart. The whole argument falls apart. But of course, experience trumps scripture for these people. And they will not have it that what happened in Acts 2 is the only expression of tongue speaking that the Bible has. And that is where people speak in languages they have not learned in the presence of those who can understand them and are marveling at the fact we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. How are they doing this? Are they not all Galileans? How can they speak in this way? And then realizing that even if you are to have this particular gift, it's a sign to the unbelieving Jew. In which case I said, perhaps if this gift is real as you say it, the only time which I would need it is if I went over to the synagogue over there and some way started uh, displaying this gift that might be helpful In that context. Anyway, I say all of that because people love the novel. They are drawn out after the novel. They want things that are different and distinct, and they're always chasing after something new. And this brought to mind something I read recently in Richard Baxter's Christian Directory, and he's giving reasons that people believe or in some external way come to profess the Christian religion, uh, but there are false motives behind it. And one of them he addresses is novelty. And in that, and this is just a little snippet of some of the things he addresses, he says, "...all men are affected most with things that seem new and strange to them." It is not only the infirmity of children that are pleased with new clothes and new toys and games, as might be evident in a few days uh, as well, (laughs) but even to graver, wiser persons, new things are most affecting, and commonness and custom dulls the light. Our habitations and possessions and honors are most pleasing to us at the first He goes on then to say, It is said of them that received the seed of God's word, as into stony ground, that forthwith it sprung up, and they anon with joy received it, but it quickly withered for want of rooting. These kind of hearers can no more delight still in one preacher or one profession or way than a glutton in one dish or an adulterer in one harlot. He Uh, make sure his point is understood there, Uh, the tendency of men to seek after new things. Here's a novel idea. Be satisfied with Jesus. Be satisfied with Jesus Christ. Just to be continually satisfied with Jesus Christ, that would be novel. It would be novel to see, even among the professing church, satisfaction just with Jesus Christ. That we think of him who came and took our flesh and died on our behalf, and rose again from the grave and is coming back, and in the meantime, ever lives to pray for us, that we should be satisfied with that. Oh, I know there is power to be sought, and you'll hear me address that, and deal with that too. There's certainly power for service that we need, and we should be seeking God for the Holy Spirit to enable us to live the Christian life and bear witness for Him. But the shepherds here that we have read of and looked to, they had an experience But it was not a repeatable experience. And it was intended to function as a pivotal point in their lives. If they sought for angels to come to them again, they would have been disappointed. If they sought for a message from an angel again, they would have been disappointed. If they sought for the same feeling of fear to dawn upon them as they had on that occasion, again, likely they would end up living their lives disappointed. They were directed to go where the Son of God was to go and find him and that that instruction was one that they could follow the rest of their lives go and find the child go and find the babe spend your life going and finding that babe seek for him so i'm taking the language of verse 12 then just to muse upon as we come to prayer he shall find the babe find the babe just thinking about that. If we would actually give ourselves to finding this one. Seeking for this one. It ties into all sorts of scriptures. Seeking the Lord while he may be found. Calling upon him while he is near. This is, this is really what we are to do. In fact, you find it right at the end of Genesis 4. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. What are they doing? They're beginning to seek God. This is constantly then what we are to do. So, a few things just to think about here. First, search for Him in Scripture. Search for Him in Scripture. Our Lord Jesus, in His ministry, gave instruction in John 5, 39, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. Go to the Scriptures. Go to the Scriptures. You'll find Me there. You will, if that's what you're looking for. I think I remember... Uh, Dr. Barrett actually saying uh, that you will, you will see what you're looking for or you'll find what you're looking for in relation to Scripture. And I don't you know, I think you can take it a little bit too far, but I think there's a general principle there, general idea that if you're actually searching for Christ in the Scripture, you're far more likely to find Him and see Him than if you're not. So later on in this chapter... You see part of the problem that we face when it comes to finding the Lord. And if I could just make a few remarks here first. Our problem is illustrated by Mary and Joseph later on in this chapter. If you go down to verse uh, 46. Well, you know the context here. Maybe I should read before that. Verse 42 or verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. So, They go a day's journey, and then it takes them three days to find him, which seems to show that there was a lot of ignorance even in how they were seeking for him, that they had no idea where he was and didn't go to the place where he might most likely be found. So they're searching for him, but they can't find him, which is really what we do. Even at times we come to church supposedly trying to see the Lord, but but we still struggle to see Him. Or we open our Bibles and we still struggle to see Him. I say to you, beloved, never give up the pursuit of trying to find Christ, of seeking to have Him revealed to you. Don't come looking for some fuzzy feeling. Now you may get experiences where you're broken and you're sobbing, either in sorrow over your sin or in joy over your forgiveness or whatever the grounds of your emotions may be, it's not wrong to go through that and to be broken and feel all of that. But come first, not for the feeling itself, not for the dramatic that may occur on occasion, but just to see the Lord. To search for Him. And when we don't find Him, to keep searching for Him, we have a natural problem, just like Mary and Joseph, in that we we do not inherently know always where to find Him, how to see Him. And of course, this should break our hearts. It did for them. Verse 48, When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. That's commendable. It would be be somewhat, uh, I guess, illustrative of another problem if they were seeking for their 12-year-old son and they were a little numb to whether or not they would find him. (laughs) They, they, They felt it. And the believers should have that too. This this longing of soul, oh, that I might know where I might find him, as you read in Song of Solomon. But they didn't have much understanding. You see, verse forty-nine, he said unto them, "How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business?" They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. They didn't get that, and of course, it's illustrated by the fact they didn't first go to the temple. They didn't first go to the temple. Where is he most likely to be? So this is, again, our problem too. We we can search in the wrong places. We can be looking for the Lord in all sorts of various ways instead of, like, get to the Scriptures. That's where you're most likely to see him. That's where he's most likely to reveal himself to you. So keep going to the Scriptures, looking for him. Despite our infirmities and deficiencies like Mary and Joseph... But our problem is solved by looking where Jesus is, and it's just compounding the issue that he was found in the temple. That was the most likely place to find him. That was, that was where he would be. Of course, the Son of God would be in the temple of God. And we might say then, in like fashion, the Son of God is found in the Word of God. That's where you're most likely to find him. Not to look inward, but to look. To the word, there is where he is. Of course, he illustrated this in his ministry too, didn't he? After his resurrection, at the end of this, uh, this gospel, the last chapter, Luke 24, when he's with those two on the road to Emmaus, and he says to them, Luke 24, 25, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I mean, you, you know the word, but you, you're slow to believe it, and you're not seeing right now what has happened. Verse 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. It was through the Old Testament it says, here I am. All through the Scriptures. Perhaps there is no time of the year when Christ is more frequently put before the view of the American public than December, and yet few see him. Few see him. Why? Because it's as if messengers, not angels, but other messengers who come, Christians and other forms of expression, come to them and say, go to Bethlehem and see. Go find the babe. And they don't go. They won't go and find him where he is. They won't seek out for him. Let it not be said of us. So search for him in Scripture. Second, search for him in Providence. Search for him in Providence. What I mean by this is looking for Christ, seeking for Christ through the experiences of life, especially those times when we are beginning to question whether He is there to be found when He feels distant. Can you find Him in times of difficulty? Can you? Have you learned to find Christ in times of difficulty? What is it you go looking for in your times of difficulty? There are many things, of course, there are different forms of difficulty and those different forms we then respond in various ways, sometimes to go to friends, to go to family, maybe it's financial difficulty, we'll go to someone of means or banks and loans and credit cards, health, we go to the doctor, we go to other experts that might be able to help us, we go to the internet and all sorts of things, but we don't go to the Lord. There are times of difficulty which stress us, even for the strongest of us. Think of our Lord Jesus himself. Did not our Savior himself depend upon the ministry of angels at times of need in his life? Did not he need to be succored and helped at times in his humanity? And we read in the life of David also, 2 Samuel 21, verse 15, The Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. This is the great warrior. The last person you expect to grow faint in battle is David. But here you find him. Even the strongest, even the most experienced, even the one who seems almost impervious to difficulty can find themselves waxing faint. On that occasion, we read of Abishai coming to David's aid, which shows us that if the greater needs support from the lesser how much more do we need help from Christ in our difficulties to go to him in our times and cry out to him David records in Psalm 34 17 the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles in times of difficulty do you know where to go? I mean, you you know where to go, at least now. And I imagine even before this juncture, you know where to go, but do you go there? Do you know well enough to make your way there? Don't forget what he has said. Isaiah 43, those opening verses, such comfort to us. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Saviour. In difficulty, child of God. Learn to go to him in difficulty. Run to him. Find him. Find the babe. Find the Christ. Find the Son of God. Find your Savior. Can you find him in times of discipline? Can you? Can you see him in discipline? In Hebrews 12, we are taught a very important truth. I'll just read verses 5 through 7. Ye have forgotten, says the apostle. Ye have forgotten. (laughs) You can tell when people forget. The preacher can tell. The preacher knows when God's people forget the basic things. And this is why there's repetition. This is why we need to hear the old, old story. This is why we don't deviate from preaching Christ and Him crucified and reminding you of all the implications of what He has done and the benefits of that to the believer. Ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? The doctrine of adoption, the recognition that I'm his, I belong to him. I should expect my father to discipline. And so let me not just see the rod, let me see the one who applies it. Let me find the one who loves my soul more than I love myself and shed his blood to save me. To find Him in times of discipline is an important thing. One man has put it this way, The rod makes us find prayer, and prayer makes us find God. And that's sadly too often the case. The rod makes us find prayer, and prayer makes us find God. And thirdly, can you find Him in times of depression? Do you know how to find Him in those times? Spurgeon once said, Fits of depression come over the most of us. Usually cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous, the wise not always ready, the brave not always courageous, and the joyous not always happy. There may be here and there men of iron to whom wear and tear work no perceptible detriment, but surely the rust frets even these and as for ordinary men the Lord knows and makes them to know that they are but dust they're times of depression Spurgeon goes on to point out how some of those times unfold in our lives Times of great success, before any great achievement, in the midst of a long stretch of unbroken labor, just laboring, laboring, eventually we wear out, a crushing stroke or blow, such as the betrayal of a friend or some great sin against us, or the failure of someone we love, when troubles multiply, and so on and so forth. Various things that can actually function as the straw that breaks The camel's back and we, though cheerful, usually can be plunged into a state of melancholy. But where do we go? Where do we go? What are you to do? Will it require, again, a host of angels to come and declare unspeakable words or in inexpressible uh, authority, go find the babe. You know this already. Whatever the context in which a sense of melancholy or depression may come over us, we must turn aside to find Jesus. What do our eyes focus upon? The circumstances. And then they go from the circumstances to the way. Why are these circumstances happening? And then they go to God in a frame of questioning rather than in a frame of beseeching His help. As if what He has brought to pass is unwise. Focus not on the circumstances, focus on Jesus Focus not on the disease. Focus on Jesus. Focus not on the loss. Focus on Jesus. Find the babe. Find him. Find him. Sometimes you need help. The shepherds had one another. They all went together to find Jesus. And sometimes that's what you need. You can't even read the scriptures. You might need someone to read the scriptures for you. You can't pray on your own because you just don't have the motivation to call upon God. Tell a friend. Talk to the pastor. Someone else. To Come, just open the word. Pray with you. And there together you may find the babe. Then finally, search for him to tell others. This is what... Happened. This is the natural outcome, isn't it? When they had found the child, you go back to, and look to and you see them. Verse sixteen. They came with haste. Uh, you love the language of, of of immediate response. Let us, verse fifteen. Let us now go, even on to Bethlehem. They came with haste. Verse sixteen. And there he was, the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They couldn't help but make it known. And you know, part of our problem as believers, and why we are so easily silenced, and how little natural evangelism we do, you know, one of the reasons why, is because we do not see Jesus sufficiently in the Word before we go into the world. Have you felt it? Have you experienced it yourself where you have seen something fresh? You've seen the Lord, met with the Lord in His Word in a particular day, and it's the easiest thing to slip that into a conversation, to encourage a believer. You know, I was reading this morning. I never saw it before. I was reading here and it just came to me afresh. I remember hearing a sermon about this and and you, it just it is that fellowship. It's that going seeking for Jesus that bears fruit on the back end where we go into the world and we naturally then can't help but tell what it is that we have seen. Some of our greatest problem is that we're trying to solve problems in the wrong way. How can I evangelize? And you want methodology or you want courage. And I say to you, no, see Jesus and you'll probably find yourself. There are different dispositions. I get it. But you'll find yourself more easily looking for an opportunity just to slip in. I saw this. I saw him whom my soul loveth. Search for him in order that you might tell others that you found him and where they might find him too. This is our need, beloved. Beloved. And this is our need at all times. But even as a family, as you gather on Monday or whatever you are you go through your traditions or whatever it is you, you do. Make sure there's a finding of Jesus. And to all the children here, making sure, you children, that you, you find Jesus. Is this is what the Bible is telling you. It's telling you to go and find him. Go and find them. You'll know, find them in the Word. We're gonna sing, then we'll.